Are you pressing Hello it? Hello and press welcome it? to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 224. Ooh, press the I'm Eric Berger, pressing the button as always, and... This is Ryan. Hi. <laughs> Dictating that I press the button. You did indeed press the button. <clears throat> Jana's back as well. Hello. Hello. I, I spilled coffee. That's everywhere. fine. It smells amazing in here. It's and a then problem you want to have. We've got uh, a return guest after just over three years. Tucker. Hello. Hello. Also one of our Patreon patrons. Thank yes. you. Yes, I am, and you can be too. Just head on over to carbitrage.com forward slash, or patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. It was so close ah, to a perfect this is why we don't have, uh, sorry, we don't have patrons do our ad reads. <laughs> you know how to spell it because you found us here. That's a good point. I apparently don't change my uh, mental read very often. No, you, you, cool. you, you have said it almost identically for like the last three years. Patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. Yep. Um, I, uh, I switched over to beer, even though I'm kind of regretting that decision now that I smell the coffee. And I'm pretty I, sure if I, I have won, another we, cup. We actually, we 180 because I had a beer, now I have a water, and you had a water, and now you have a beer. I'll give you, like, a tiny How cup. much do I not care about tachycardia? That's really what I need to decide. What? You tachycardia? Just, you just t- take a little. Yeah, just extremely elevated heart rate for no reason. Oh. So dude, her body just, just being I, shitty. My, my body just does not do that. Because I do the same I, thing. I can't have more than, like, a cup of coffee a day. I know, it's really sad. Unless I'm really active, then I can yeah. do two. Yeah. I can do like two cups of coffee and a like, balls energy drink. That usually puts me a good for the day. I have one in the fridge from Atlanta. Or I do. But I what I've been idea. doing since I've been working at home is I do one cup of coffee and then breakfast. Surprisingly helpful for waking you up. But yeah. like, what's like hard for me is because I have ADHD, the caffeine doesn't affect my brain, it only affects my body. So it doesn't wake me up. So I just, hmm. if I drink too much of it because I like the taste, it's. Yeah. Now, a uh, good decaf. I, I do drink a lot more now. Oh, I can't I, stand decaf. Jen, I have that same problem, but I've unfortunately discovered the magic of Bang energy drinks. And I those... Can't. Yeah, but you you get to look like the guy from Bang when you're done with it. Have you ever seen the guy that is the CEO of Bang I energy? haven't been no. able to drink energy drinks. Is it drinks? Guy Fury? No, can you just Google Bang energy CEO? Um, I don't know if you want to be this guy. I'm also like, a lot smaller of a person it. than you, Tucker, so, like, any ca- sort of caffeine just He's a lunatic. He's he an is. actual lunatic. This is like that uh, that Thunder energy drink from whatever that movie was. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, he, he's like Chris Lindahl on Coke. Oh, my. He's got a little Busey blood in him, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Oh, no, he's got the crazy eyes. No, yeah, he's got crazy eyes. He does. He's just, like, acts like a lunatic, like, all the time. Like, he has TikToks and everything where he's, like, trying to, like, sell bang energy drinks to, um, like, teenagers. And it's, like, obvious. They're obvious plants. Hey, girls, want to bang? Seriously, oh, yeah, it's, like, awful. It's so bad. Like, it's literally like that. I hope that doesn't become the thumbnail for this episode. Right. <laughs> but it That'd very well great. might. <laughs> Oof. Uh, anyway, so I'm on Northeast. Like I said, finally got a beer inside of my tummy because it's, I think, noonish now? Nope, not even. <laughs> I am breaking my own rules. Whatever, I'm done there. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Tucker, we asked you the barrage of guest topic questions last time you were on, but we've added one, and then you also want to update your answer for the Mondial Challenge. Yeah. So well, let's start with update your answer for the Mondial Challenge. So uh, with the Mondial Challenge, I've done a little bit of research, changed it up when I answered several years ago. I was boring. LS manual that's since been thrown out as an option. Yes, it does. Yep. Now, I had an answer set. I found out the... Tra- How much does the Mondial weigh, roughly? I don't actually Perfectly know, but let's assume 2,800 pounds yep. with the factory engine in it. You have to understand everything about the Mondial. Like, it's just a Camry. It's a very exciting-looking Camry. Okay. Unfortunately, I think my option, the transmission, is glass, so it won't 
what? Le- uh, Chrysler Turbo Two from the eighties. Oh, it'd be fun. That would actually work perfectly. The, yes. It would be fun. Just, it would have to be a hot Turbo Two, but yeah, yeah, GLHS drivetrain essentially. You could probably make that happen because yeah, like they I'm, put the, they put that engine into like a Plymouth. Um, oh, shit. oh, they did put it in the caravans, and they so, also yeah. the the Lancer. The Shelby Lancer. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you could totally yeah, throw Chrysler that Chrysler Turbo 2. Mondial yeah. weighs 3,500 pounds? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's with a that's hefty with the, V8 yeah. pig in it. That is an iron. Yeah, but that's a good iron. question. But still, know. imagine a, a seven-passenger minivan full of people. Right. So, yeah, Chrysler uh, Turbo 2, 2.2 liter. All right. That's a, a better answer than an LS. I'll take it. Another good one would be the dual-verd cam uh, non-turbo engine from the Dodge Spirit RT. Isn't that just the precursor to the Neon engine? It is a precursor to the SRT4. It's like the proto SRT4. Actually, it might have been turbo. But it was a dual verd cam uh, for inline four. It was the, the Spirit RT. The Neon RT, I think, probably had the same engine then, because it was uh, a non-turbo version of Well, the, the Neon SRT RT engine. used, um, basically, uh, the Neon RT was a, could be optioned with either a two-liter single overhead cam, mm-hmm. Magnum, that made 150 horsepower, or... A dual overhead cam, two liter, which was basically the second gen Eclipse NA engine. Okay, but that makes the sense. cylinder head 40, was flipped, 16, or the 24. cams were flipped. So, hmm. so the flow was the other way. Yep. Interesting. On the uh, on the Eclipse, the manifold was, exhaust manifold was on the front side, intake was on the back. Yep. And they flipped it for the uh, neon, put hmm. the exhaust on the back side. That's super weird. Why would you go through all that effort just to, I guess it was packaged. I think it was actually Honda back then with the F20B, the dual-overt cam, like, homologation H-series engine that they put in the Accord uh, Type R. On their actual touring cars, they did that. They would flip the entire rotating assembly around on the engine. So you'd have the intake facing uh, the radiator as opposed to facing the firewall. I guess it makes sense. I mean, that's a decent answer, too. I, I didn't know those were two liters. I figured the, the Neon RT was just the 2.4. Yeah, the, yeah the, they that they, like, still options. have. No, the, R, the RT was, like, it, it was a, like, looks and, like, handling package. Well, it and definitely then had could, a, yeah. a much more potent engine. It actually made pretty good power. Yeah. I watched a Motor Week retro review on it, but clearly I didn't pay very much attention. Yeah. Well, I owned a first-gen Neon for a couple of years. It was oh. a... It was a Plymouth. Uh, it was the espresso package. Very cool, actually. Had Those the, have really rad interiors. Yes, I loved the, uh, the. They called it the jazz seats. Yeah, they're super um, cool. Had the, like balloons and squiggles. And, yeah, they're great. It's fantastic. So it's a Twingo. Pretty much. Espresso no, it's, jazz. It's, it's like a, a Twingo interior. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> they, uh, I have a friend uh, named Aaron who has. He was like for the longest time just a huge neon enthusiast. Or like. He had, like, a dozen of them, okay. like, first Shen Yans. And, yeah, he, like, I think his, like, final version was a, like, red espresso with the jazz seats and an SRT4 engine swap. Red espresso. Like, it was really like red. Really bad morning. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, he had, like, he had an SRT4 engine in it, like, a roll cage. Like, it was a rad car. Like... But it was also, you know, an SRT four drivetrain would be pretty interesting too. Honestly. I, that was going to be my other option if the uh, if the turbo two transmission wouldn't hold up. But I want to put a Fiat five hundred drivetrain in it now. <laughs> the one point four T, or better yet, run the uh, the four C, the one point seven with the five hundred transaxle. A one point four T with a um, a one point four T with like bolt ons would 
make some more power, be 240 horsepower. And the turbo easy. leg would be very era appropriate, which would yeah. be amazing. It's still one of my favorite parts about the 1.4 multi-year turbo. I do like the turbo leg. But anyway, well, thank you. Let's um, now we have our second question that we do, which is yeah, this uh, is on you. I'm having coffee now. Yes, Eric is having coffee. I've got to have mine poured for me. Um, <laughs> but I um, we have, we have one where you go to California. Like for what's it called? Uh, it's a fortnight, so I think it's a week plus two weekends. I know, but what's the challenge called? Oh, no. the fifteen hundred dollar car, or the three thousand dollar car. Oh, no, it's a the rental, rental car. car replacement. Basically. Yeah, rental car replacement challenge. Yeah. We call it the arbitrage challenge. What yeah. affordable car would you buy in California for a week or more and then drive home afterward in to uh, sell for ma- a yeah. profit or break even? Break I, even, make a profit. 1500 to $3,000. Uh, Thank I, you, honey. I found my exact car uh, while I was while you were recording the last episode. Uh, 1991 Mazda B20, uh, B2200. Oh, yeah. Cab short box. So what's actually, what's actually really interesting about that is there's a lot of, um, because they're so reliable, a lot of like mini truck magazine like cover trucks are now being used as like gardening trucks out yep. there. So you can actually get a very cool truck. You, you could probably I've, I've owned one of these. I know you have. But um no, you could actually like get one of those with like a dancing bed. And like it's just like guys using it to like dump mulch. <laughs> like it's really yeah, I'm sure funny. the step notch is really working well for their lawn cutting business. Actually, it works great. Like they're very useful trucks. Like they look awesome. They have a well, great I know, but stereo. I'm saying if you're using half the bed for right. your yeah. body drop, that's going to be a problem. Well, no, you don't. It, well, it wins the dancing bed. Like you don't have to modify the bed all that much. But, and even back then, like in the early '90s, people weren't really like notching the entire bed. They were just lowering it reasonably. Yeah. At least and it's then, manual. I've also updated my garage in the last. Several years. Yeah, several I, times over. So yes, yeah, several times. I've gone through many, many piles of trash. <laughs> you have. They, I think all of your vehicles that you've owned combined account for the value of the Fiat. <laughs> I, I had a Veloster for a while. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right? So other, but sands the Veloster. But <laughs> no, currently, uh, what I drove here today, I have a 1988 GMC Sierra uh, C2500. So two wheel drive, three quarter ton. 350 Chevy, 700R4 automatic. Very good. That's uh, very good coffee. 410 rear gears with an automatic locker. So that's fun in the winter. That's actually pretty cool. Um, that 410 rear end, holy crap. Mm. Oh, yeah, it screams on the highway. As I say, how do you get anything above two miles per gallon? Pistons to Pluto. Yes, I, I regularly attempt to send pistons to Pluto. <laughs> Top speed, 70. <laughs> <laughs> GPS verified, allegedly 115. That's pretty good. Wow, that's, um, that's much better than I would have expected. That, that, I, I was not. I was genuinely not expecting that. <laughs> my, yeah, I my, figured the drag limit would have been like ninety nine. No, I honestly thought that it would have been like just based on mechanical RPM limitations. Limited. Yeah, like make mechanically valve limited. float. Yeah, valve float limited. <laughs> She's to breaking like, up. Maybe like eighty five. <laughs> my my other running vehicle at the moment is a two thousand three Harley Davidson Sportster eight eight three hundredth anniversary edition. With Screaming Eagle slip-on mufflers and an Arlen Ness uh, stage one air cleaner, I paid twenty-three hundred dollars for it, and it's a motorcycle. It's fine. Okay, and then that's I, what it sounds like. And then we were just being Harley Davidsons for a moment by making farting noises. <laughs> and then uh, I have a non-running project of a nineteen ninety-nine GMC OBS. K- Yes, OBS. This is actually a cool. That's a cool truck. It is an, It's a '90s body style, the OBS GM, '99 K2500, so four wheel drive, three quarter ton, crew cab short box from California. 
Which right. has the correct automatic in it. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's a, actually a really cool truck. 4080. Um, currently doesn't have an engine in it. It's going to be receiving a high compression 350. Shooting in the neighborhood of 450, 500 horsepower. Um, but it's a rust-free California truck. And I, my father gifted it to me for Christmas. So That's a good gift. It doesn't suck. Yes. Just don't sell it once you fix it, because you have a habit of selling the vehicles that are cool. I know. Yeah, don't, don't sell the sword. So sell, sell, so sell the Harley, basically, is what you're saying. Yes, get rid of the Harley. I think my favorite thing ever with the Harley was when uh, my old boss got a, like, the 117 cubic inch uh, V-Twin, like, right when they first came out. And he's like, it's so powerful, it's awesome. And then my coworker takes it around the back of the shop because it's parked in the way. Because that's what he does with his vehicles, just parks them in the way of everything. I remember this about him. Yeah, and then he just pulls the bike around and he goes that's the slowest 117 cubic inches i've ever been on in my life <laughs> he's like, yep like, fast for a harley yeah, fast, fast. he's like i've been on like i've been i've been on hotted up vespas that are faster than this my vespa is <laughs> faster than a lot of harleys yeah well um, this is the thing is like when you hear these harleys like going like making a ton of noise it's not by choice they need to that's how you get like drive at a reasonable speed is you I, have to go wide open. In in my defense, mine is only a fifty four cubic inch. It is a small Harley. But that's fine. It's gonna. It would be no different if it was a big Harley. It would the, be just as slow. The evolution, the carbureted evolution engines were also one of the most reliable engines that Harley ever made because it was the engine that saved Harley. So. So what, what's that? Is, that? is that like a carbureted like sports bike engine from the eighties that's been like parked in a garage for fifteen years? It was developed in the late seventies, early eighties, but it's it's just a push the, rod. The, the, jo- the joke was that that's like the least reliable motorcycle engine you can get. It's just like the, I, I cow- like a ninja that's been parked in a garage for ten years, the, and like the carburetors are all gummed up, and you try to drive it to work. One trying day. to sync multiple carburetors, the, like yeah. that probably has a single carb. Yes, that helps it's, a lot. it's a single. Uh, I forget. It's not a Makuni. Oh, that's but, kind of surprising, uh, actually. Um, but no, it's just a single uh, CV carb. So. I used to work with the guy at AutoZone like, way back when I was Get like... in the zone! Yeah, like way back in the day. And his name was Matt. He was an assistant manager. And he had a Katana motorcycle. Mm-hmm. But his thing was, he like got really good at sinking sport bike carburetors. So what he would do is he'd find them like, on Craigslist for like 500 bucks, or he's like, really nice bikes that just like haven't been driven in 15 or ridden in 15 years and they don't work this is why i can't have a cbx yeah he just takes them and uh he pulls the tank clears out the tank cleans out the carburetors and then sets them and then sends it down the road and he's like yeah it's a weekend's work for me at this point i know everything that i'm doing and I don't touch anything else on the bike because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And I just send it down the road and make $2,000. That's great. <laughs> also, the modern Sportster, modern Harley Sportster. Oh, God. Those... Is, it's you're still so using annoying. the only real difference between the Evolution engine in my bike and the modern Sportster engine. They added fuel injection. Fuel injection is worth it on a bike. The the Sportster still ba- still uses a basic like 1984 engine design because it's one of the most reliable engines this they is, ever. This made. is my thing with Harley Davidson is don't put the fuel injection on because the the owners are just going to sit there and rev it like intermittently to keep it idling at a stoplight regardless. And leave, at least if it's carbureted, there's a reason they're doing that. Fun fact: mine will idle. I can once it's warm ish. I can. I, it's got a. I have to hold the choke out. It yeah. doesn't have a a hold of any sort. 
So once it's warm-ish, like to the point where I don't want to touch the jug, I can push the choke in and walk away from it, and it'll idle as long as there's fuel in the you bag. You should get a Kawasaki H1. Those are cool. That would be a very Tucker bike. I like my sports drink. And it was the right price. Well, it, what's the display sound of the H1 again? Can you just Google Kawasaki H1 real quick? I, I feel like you would like this, because they took like a, I think it's like a 450 or something. I think, I, I think it's even bigger than that. It, it's a, it's a 498. Four, it's a 498 two-stroke. I really don't like on on a six, oh, six point eight to one yeah. compression. Oh, <clears throat> but it's a it's a two stroke and it's on a chassis from a three fifty cc motorcycle. <clears throat> that's the opposite of what I want because that's I, too, it's it's a terrifying death machine. It's too small. No, nobody nobody ever lives to tell the tale. I've it's s- it's too small. My Sportster is on the verge of too small. Well, no, I, the, the what happens is just from the torque of the engine, it bends the chassis while you're riding it. That's assuming then that my it's also Tucker, Tucker will have already done that. It's yes. also got four wheel drums as well. Four well, actually, for you, four wheel drums. Wait, wow. oh, sorry, two wheel drums. My bad. Yes, it's got two wheel drums on it. I made the same mistake when I was describing this like the other day to you. Man, it's got two wheel drums on it. So like brakes yeah, are terrifying. It's got that's... no brakes. It's horribly overpowered. And it's got a terrible chassis. That's that's not happening. Let's move on. This is a my kind of motorcycle. It's just like yeah, nineteen sixty nine to seventy five. Assuming you're gonna die. <laughs> I like that with a motorcycle. I was trying to find its uh, carrying weight capacity, but uh... um, I'm guessing being an old Japanese bike, it's going to be in the neighborhood of about 300 to 350 pounds, that which is less than my girth. So let's move on. Less than one metric tucker. Yes, we haven't used the metric tucker for a while. Yeah, we haven't. Well, you you lost a little weight, that's why. I have not. <laughs> uh, you did, and then you might have gained it. Back. I, I have found sure. it, and then some. I, I like this whatever website I'm on right now. It's beautiful. Yeah, it shows you how awesome the motor is yeah it's uh yeah it's a hilarious bike look at this fence post pipe exhaust kink down here and all right it's great this there's a lot of effort put into that for sure also looks really cool it's got two pipes on the right side and one on the left yeah somebody in my city used to have one of those back in the day and i was very confused by it they're they're really cool i love it i love asymmetry i i think it's like it's like literally one of my favorite bikes because it's just so stupid the man who likes things that are designed with only a ruler likes asymmetry well i also like as far as you can mess up with a ruler. i've had this conversation with keith several times where as far as motorcycles go um i like terrible motorcycles there aren't any actually good motorcycles i like because i don't care about them that much so like I like the CBX, I like the H1, oh, so cool. I like the Royal Enfield. That. Oh, I do love me a CBX. I like the. 1000. Actually, I guess there is one good bike that I like, and that's those gigantic Husqvarna uh, single cylinder two strokes that they make. Is that the two wheel drive one, or is that something? No, else? that's a different one. But oh. uh, no, they make like these like just like hilarious enduro bikes that like go on the highway, and they're like four fifty. CC single cylinder, single cylinder two strokes, and they're just hilarious. The other thing with sub like 600 CC bikes is again, the metric tucker is quite large. Oh, uh, RE5 is another good one, it is metric. The, the, the metric tucker is quite large and needs a, a bit of displacement to move ma- to motivate down yes. the highway. Another good one is the uh, Suzuki RE5, which is the rotary bike. The, the Sporty will actually maintain 75, 80 miles an hour with me on it. It was so. designed with you in mind. That's more than we can say for the truck some of the time. Yeah. I feel like Harley-Davidson like, designs their motorcycles. They just go. They design it to haul one 
Rot- Good old boy. One rotund boomer and potentially a dependopotamus on the backseat. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, I always called him backpack. A backpack, so that's a way better term. I was just gonna assume they went to Sturgis with a with a uh, with a cloth like measuring tape, and they just like measured everybody's like waistband. And just like I think we broke assumed Eric. the weight. From Step there. right up, sit on the new sport stir. Then they're just like next, yeah, <laughs> next. We have the, the aver- 2022 model. <laughs> they're like designing the new model. What's the average waistband? Fifty-two inches. <laughs> Speaking of waistbands, for some reason, I was buying new belts. I did not realize my entire life that you do not order the belt for the waist size. That no, you, you do. Are. You, you do have to order up. significantly higher. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do two or three. Nobody up. told me these things. Oh yeah, no, you do. I've always been uh, I'm like, thirty-six I, belt. I'm fat. Mm, no, I'm a thirty-six belt always. Yeah. I, 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 bought, I know that now. I but. bought my belt at a flea market like four or five years ago, and it's still going good. I, just, I destroy belts. I don't know why. No, okay. I just I've got a belt for every pair of pants, so. You just leave it in there? Yeah, pretty, honestly, yeah. Through the wash and everything? Uh, sometimes, actually. Gross. That is a whole new level of lazy. I like I'm it. very lazy. I am, Shall we? I'm aware. Anyway. I, I, don't, I don't belt. Ever? No. All right, so moving, moving on to uh, Tucker's other topics. Yes. Wait, you already gave us an answer on that stuff, so the first topic's you. Yeah, well, I, I, he has his thing he wanted to talk about. That was not added to the notes. Yeah, he was going to talk about his thing. Why didn't he add it to the notes? Uh, I don't well, know. I he doesn't have access to the notes. Yes, he does. I do now. But well, anyway, so um, we yeah, were going to talk about blank, Tucker. What are, what are your things? Uh, we were. I had mentioned this in the the Discord several months ago. That computer just froze. He once again can join by going over to Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the, the whole thing froze. The audio is fine. That's the, good. No, I'm not seeing. Movement. Yeah, that's it's because we we recorded off okay. the computer. I don't know what the hell it's doing. So. Uh, give it a moment. No, just power through. No, I said give the computer. It's fine. The audio yeah. is still recording, okay. even yeah. though the Twitch stream is dead. So, moving, moving on. The electrification <laughs> and subsequent automation of the trucking industry. Look at Corey's computer; it's just freaking out. <laughs> 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 Apparently, the Twitch stream is going very well. Okay. <clears throat> yes. Sorry, it's Tucker, electrific- electrification is coming. We're not denying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's. Going to move to trucks. It, Freightliner currently has thirty to forty models on the road being tested, over half a million tra- uh, testing miles with customers, and they are running the E Cascadia, which God, even if truck. So even if you on. don't know trucks, you have seen a Cascadia. Look at the front of any Swift trailer, Werner. Most of the mega carriers are running Cascadias, along with. I just don't like the Freightliner Cascadia. No, it's terrible to look at, but it's really comfortable to sit That's in. That's fine. I have to look at it, though, because I don't sit in it. I don't like it. I think every I, trucker should have a Western Star or Peterbilt. Yeah. Those are, should, those are good-looking trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Kenworth, too, because, I mean, with Kenworth okay, and Kenworth. Peter are basically the same. Um, and then also uh, the EM2. It's the M2 series. Avail- the electric version is only available as the 106, which... They have the M2-106. Are they going to make a hybrid version of that called the EMC2? Equals MC. You just have to power through, Tucker. Uh, <laughs> yes. 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 The M- Everybody has also seen an M2. 
even if you don't realize it, the most dock trucks, a lot of tow trucks, they're the Several real... BMWs. M2. Oh, yes. God, you're horrible. Also, it was Windows Updates that did this, just so you guys know. Oh. It's still right. going. Lovely. They're the short hood, real... Oh, you're getting re- candy crush again. Oh, my God. Rectangular grilled uh, Freightliner, medium-duty chassis. Okay. Oops. The Cascadia is being offered with a range of battery sizes anywhere, and I, I knew you were going to ask. I looked. Mm-hmm. They do not list battery chemistry anywhere. Uh, that's fine. They're probably lithium iron sulfate. Nope. Um, Just a bunch of lead acids. Phosphate, I mean. They're, yeah, they're still running lead acid deep cycles. The, mm-hmm. the Cascadia is being offered God. because you can option it as either a single or a tandem axle. Okay. Anywhere from 360 to 525 rated horsepower. With good. 210 to 475 kilowatt hour batteries. Are these day cabs or sleepers? Uh, currently testing day cabs. I'm guessing they'll offer a sleeper. That is a lot of kilowatt hours. Uh, claimed 250 mile range. I'm, just, I'm thinking about having a sleeper and like I mean, running out of power in the middle of the night. Claimed 250 mile range at better. gross weight at the at 80,000 pounds. That's very impressive. I mean, uh, you figure, like, you can kind of convert with how much, like, fuel they use versus, like, how yep. much fuel, uh, you know, a regular vehicle does. And I think that's realistic with that many kilowatt hours, which is nuts. Uh, with DC fast charging. How many uh, kilowatts? Uh, Daimler. Daimler Trucks North America, they own Western Star and Freightliner. Mm-hmm. They are working on developing their own fast charger, looking at supplying up at least or hopefully more than one megawatt. Oh, Yes. Ah, I see. That probably won't go through a CCS connector. With with their... Tra- I with, think... Well, it would briefly. <laughs> until it all lights on fire. The... One megawatt fast charging. That is just the, the sheer electric garden hose going in there. I'm just like... No, that that's an just, electric fire hose at that point. Thank you. That is correct. Hilarious. The, they are claiming an 80% charge in 90 minutes with their charger. They're going to need on-site power storage because no grid is going to handle i just i, I like the idea of a, a semi-truck being plugged directly to a nuclear power plant <laughs> or like a wind turbine and it's Not slowing just, down just a fucking <laughs> drags it to a why stop. is that turbine going slow why is that one going back <laughs> there's, there's a lot of grind Oops. <laughs> there, there, there's 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 a, lot, there's a lot of force acting against it so <laughs> they they have developed instead of using you, with Teslas and everything, you can, with independent suspension, you can hang your motor in the middle and mm-hmm. drive it through axle shafts. I'd be really curious to see like a, a cutaway of how they would integrate independent suspension into a tractor. I'm sure it's easy to do, it's, but they are no, not. It's oh. horrible. Yeah, they, 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 they're running live axles. Yes, well, they they run that because of the amount of weight they have to carry. Yeah, it can't would. Like, any links, any multi-link setup would fold under delicious the, under the. 34 to 40,000 pounds. So they just put Speaking unit motors where the dips yeah. are on the... So actually, on the Cascade... Never mind. On the w- Cascade... W- one second, Tucker. No, yes. no, Tucker's talking. No, you no, would, I, you I, would, I, I, I want on. to... Jan, do you want, do you want to get crazy? Hey, Tucker, so what were you saying? Yes. Um, <laughs> even she's annoyed with you. That's incredible. Don't worry, I have the volume knobs. Good. So they're using... <laughs> I just wanted crepes for lunch. Shut up. <laughs> you could tell me after... I'm interested in Tucker's Shut conversation. Up. Sorry. Um, right. We can hear Tucker. So they're using, they, they're calling it their E-axle. It's a okay. solid axle with a differential. And on the Cascadia, 
they're actually using a two-speed planetary transmission. That's kind of cool. That's with, actually really cool. Yeah. With the electric motor hanging off the front. I wonder. Yeah, that's probably pretty good. Oh, yeah. Tom Tom's must be here. here. Yes. So, yes, obviously you're low gear to get it. Because at 80,000 pounds, you need a lot of tractive effort to make it move. Right, but it's got to be mainly for efficiency on the on the higher end. Well, yeah, so you get it rolling, shift into your high gear, and keep going. Right. So it's like a better version of what they did with the Emma Marisk. Pretty much. Okay. Um, more, much more durable. To, uh, I feel like Volkswagen just made the Emma Marisk so they could, like, prototype making a semi-truck, and they just called it a Porsche. Yep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to that uh, Jason Camisa Porsche 924 Haggerty piece, it's like this was conceived, engineered, parts binned, designed, and produced by Volkswagen with Porsche's help, and then they decided to shelf it and make a Scirocco, so Porsche bought the rights to it and just made it. But, like, it wasn't designed to be the thing that it is, It's um, and they just engineer around it. I feel like Scandia is going to make a... Uh, EV pickup, Scania. or uh, yeah, like a Scan- Scania. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're gonna have like a Scania, like EV, like lorry. It's just gonna be an Emma Marisk <laughs> with a fifth wheel on the roof, and that's <laughs> it. As soon as I see one of these with a Marisk shipping lines container behind it, my life will be complete. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other, the other beautiful thing about going electric is in vocational applications, and actually on. TikTok, there is a drive. There is a driver for a. I think you're thinking of Tic Tacs, the breath no. fresheners. But anyway, push it there up. is a there's a truck driver <laughs> out in British Columbia who works in the logging industry. Okay, he actually went on about it. He actually has a deposit on a Tesla hmm. semi. Okay, because if you think about it, as you're up in the mountains, coming down, yeah, regen oh, oh, the yeah. whole way down. Mm-hmm. No more brake failure issue. I mean. I'm curious to see Hopefully. how those inverters and all the cooling systems going to handle that amount. But like, you think of a freight train. So those those pull tractive effort back into the motor, but they just shove it into a resistor bank right, and cool yeah. the resistors down. But like, if it had a battery, I you could like, regain a lot of that. I feel like with these trucks, you're still going to have the normal doghouse on the front of it. It's just that doghouse is going to be well, half radiator. Now that our well, now that our links are up, you can pull up. Uh, the M2 and the Cascadia there. I'm going to pull them up down here so I can get them on the stream. But, but yeah, I imagine they're just going to have to do like a ton of cooling. Like I think yes. it'll be okay. I mean, the, the issue is really not sinking the heat. It's getting it out of the battery and out of the inverter into a heat exchanger, uh-huh. at least from what I've seen. But, yeah, so... Well, they... I'm just saying with the amount of weight, like... Because right. e- even, like, a normal radiator system, like, for a truck is... But good. The, the efficiency, the losses are not significant on these modern things. So you're talking maybe, like, a 3% loss. What I'm, thi- I'm just thinking the amount of built-up uh, heat from being on the... Um, from, like, going down a mountain or something. Right, but I'm saying, like, yeah. let's, let's say your regen... It's, say it's a megawatt. I think that's unreasonable, yeah. but... So that would be... Uh, 1,000... Sinus point zero three. That's like it's like thirty watts of heat. So what is a normal? Sorry, three hundred watts. What, what does a normal truck you create? But I mean, well, three hundred watts of heat's like it's three household light bulbs. I oh, mean, okay, okay. The that's amount of that heat that's made that's a, a, a that is a engine that is a small all right so uh, space heater basically. Yeah. I think uh, in BTU is not. I'm guessing this internet is super good, heat. or maybe the hosting for this Velocity Truck Centers is really uh, bad. I, it's also a high quality image, unfortunately. Uh, it is. Well, we'll wait for it. Yes. Why not? But anyway, carry right. on. So this is the EM2? Yes. That is this the EM2 is currently dock, the, top the medium-duty <laughs> dock truck. 
Um, Do- docking truck? Yes. The docking truck? Space docking truck? So, but anyway, with, with these, uh, with, with like cooling these and stuff, so it's not going to be that big of an issue, so it can create probably the, I guess they can change and the think about factor. the yeah. think about the frontal area of most trucks. Yeah, it's you all know, You have so much airflow yeah. to cool things because yeah. they're designed to pull trailers up mountains. Yeah, it it will be significantly less than what's currently required with the diesel engine, yes. uh, cooling wise. But I I just want them to bring back flat nose cabs. I know they won't, but mm-hmm. I want them to. Oh yeah, it's a it's a nostalgia thing. Oh yeah, I agree. Especially well, with not, an AP7. Not only, not only that, uh, you're you can make something that you know, like the Tesla truck, where it's like a semi-flat nose. It's way more aerodynamic. No, actually, on that note, the if you're going to get truck drivers to accept electric, they have to look normal. Yes, exactly. You can't go super crazy. Not still yet. use mirrors. Still. I know. Well, yeah, obviously you have to use mirrors, yeah. Well, Tesla doesn't think you Well, mm. Elon Musk doesn't know what he's doing. No, like, he's... I'm sure he drives over the road truck often. Yeah. I... I, I am okay with adding blind spot cameras. In fact, on some modern M2s, the... Uh... That looks like a normal truck. Yes, it does. Except that you don't have uh, an SCR canister or a fuel tank. But look, look at this decal just... on the side. It has an E, a blue E. And actually, the the spot on the side of the hood there right mm-hmm. above the fender that's usually your air intake it'll go through a fiberglass channel in the hood and over to the filter but obviously you don't need an air intake for the engine so i like that they black house the headlights all this that's kind of cool the thing's sporty they're actually quite good looking trucks if they're optioned correctly i just hate the front end of it <laughs> you just hate the... oh look at the pack wow or modules rather i believe that it's on both sides as oh well. i'm sure it is that's a lot of kilowatt hours that's pretty cool but I just I, I I hate the 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 the, in, the engine cover, motor cover, <laughs> clamshell. The clamshell. Thank you. The the other. It's entirely the, my one thing. worry with this, or with the electrification is, you're running an electric air compressor for your brakes. I'm I just I'm sure they'll have redundant ones. Yes, um, but then also, the beautiful thing is going from like manual transmissions, which are and these are all unsynchronized. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I just had a question. Why don't they use steam engines for trucks? Oh, for God's sake. Well, I'm, on, on principle alone, I... That, yeah, that, that's, that's totally trains. fair. Well, no, because, like, trains use steam. They used steam for a long time until diesel took over. because they couldn't get the power density out of it. I guess. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, too. I don't want to follow a dock truck getting onto the freeway with a clouds of water vapor dissipating into the That's air. That's a very good point. Okay, carry on. Um, I can't even imagine the, the ice if yeah. you were if you had steam well, it trucks. Go, it goes up. Not, and not it off. It'll down. go down, but it'll go down later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> some, some of those cylinders shoot the steam exhaust straight down. I know, so like, that's dumb. Okay, all right. <laughs> but going from manuals... That's to, dumb, sorry. <laughs> going from manuals to the electric, you're... Your power application is going to be much smoother. You're not going to miss shifts as you're... Because trying to... You're not supposed to, but trying to change gear coming around a cloverleaf is dicey. If you miss that shift, you it is too easy to knock the drive shaft out of it. You go, you'll, I've snapped U-joints before. There's a lot of weight there and a lot of torque there. Yeah, yeah and it's I, going you through... You shouldn't a, sidestep the clutch pedal, though. No, that's just... Sometimes you gotta. It, I'm not using the clutch. I'm f- trying to float it in, but I caught the wrong gear, and I 
spun the drive shaft out of it. Okay, floating it, I get more. I, I make, I get it. Yeah, That's it was a also a, a bit of a worn out truck, so it was not an ideal so shape. So basically, Modi the truck. Yes. Okay. It was very hefty. You know, people are going to retrofit these front ends onto the diesel ones, right? Yeah, they will. You can the front end looks quite good. You can. But anyway. they, the diesel ones already come with the black housing headlights, and you can just option the black grill in them. Hmm. So. So, um, so it's a sport what's um, Mercedes doing then? I haven't looked. They don't sell trucks here, so I don't. Well, I see, so I okay, so velocitytruckcenters.com oh. sucks because the hosting was what the yes. issue was loading Yes, there. there's the the modern. That actually looks pretty good. That makes the Cascadia front end work, but. Oh, yeah, they are testing sleepers. How about that? I've yeah, is, yeah and, and that actually works. It looks like. It looks like you drove a Cascadia, a Cascadia into a Volvo as fast as you could. <laughs> <laughs> and you just got that. Like, you have a Cascadia and a Volvo in a CD motel. Well, this with, one's like, actually got aero on it, which is interesting. That's what I'm saying. It looks like a Volvo. <laughs> well, yeah, they actually, it's got a full, if you look back at the drive axles as well, it's got, uh, they yeah. call it the flow below system. Mm. Directs the air either around or under the truck as opposed to getting caught up in the wheels. I mean, that's cool and all. I don't know how they fit Cascadia's in this trailer, but it's impressive. <laughs> and they actually have a unique starting procedure. You know, most EVs, is, there either isn't one. It's just readies itself. Mm-hmm. They still use a physical key. Like the yeah. 500. You turn the key to the run position, it activates the 12-volt system, dash does its thing. Still 12-volt. I'm surprised they're not using 48 for all the accessories these nope. days. Trucks have, all, have been... 12 volt for years. Well, so cars, but doesn't mean it's a good solution. Um, if they're building from the ground up, I'm surprised. Well, that's still allowed. It keeps things consistent. Fine. Because then you can still use the same HVAC module as the diesel. They should just go to 6 volt. Uh, well, also, the, the, but the, Jana, <laughs> I think Jana for the first time saw a set of 6 volt headlights on a Corvette the other day. Oh, no. Wait, that rumor out Corvette that we saw, the 58, that was yeah, at the light? Yeah, that was not the first time I've seen that. But, I mean, like, in, in, in the wild, seeing Glow those worms and jam jars. Oh, God. But anyway, yeah, pretty much, they, yeah. But, yeah, so they, they still have a physical key. You turn it to the run position, it arms the 12-volt system, and then you actually hit the, you roll it to the crank position to engage the high voltage. So this is another item. Yeah, it's just that, like the 500E. Like, this basically is, this is another truck. item of why you'd want to use the 12-volt system, whereas like a, the 500E or like a BMW or something, you're going to be probably in a city or something where you can just get the parts. This truck might be in like a rural like Mississippi where you're not going to readily find this yeah. one specific part. So yeah, having a one All HVAC system yeah. is going to be... John Deere level, non-serviceable in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere, though. It doesn't matter. And right. even if it's 48-volt charging system for accessories and everything, you're still going to have 12-volt output to your trailer and all that other stuff. So. Yeah, so just making at all be 12-volt and basing around 12-volt, that, I get that. That makes sense, yeah. And then in regards to, with electrification, everybody looks at automation. And, you know, Tesla does their autopilot you know, Cadillac, whenever they get around... Super to, Cruise! Yeah, whenever they get around to the EV, it'll have Super Cruise. Um, everybody is... A, I have no faith in Super Cruise ever actually fully existing. Oh, don't worry, it's a subscription service, so... Yes. Yep. What? Yes. Super Cru- is, Cadillac yeah. Super Cruise is a subscription. Your cruise uh, control, you have to pay for. What's this button do? Nothing until you pay me. Basically. That's I already wild. paid you more. Yeah. Ooh, sounds like BMW. <laughs> Yeah, you want heated seats? <laughs> Nine ninety nine a month. 
It's well, that would be nice because, like, then you pay for it for like three months. Or you could just have heated seats at work. True. Yeah. Or I use the heating element that's in my seat, and I splice in some wires and a switch, and I turn it on. Yeah, it's True. it's not like internet, where it's like you you're actually going from a system. This is just some shit that's already in your car. It's a cable descrambler. Yeah. So, everybody, primarily boomers. Boomer truck drivers are afraid. Oh, they're going to automate the industry, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be out of a job. When was the last time your GPS got you to a destination accurately? Also, Never. when Never. was the last time you saw a trucking company that didn't have a now hiring sign on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, it, automation's going to be a good thing. It means that you'll be able to do more. Like, if you get paid the same hours, which, like, there's unions, but, right? For no, truckers? Oh. Uh, depends on... I, now, technically, I'm a truck driver, but I work for a dealership. Yeah. Because I'm in the service department, I am in the union. I would say, like, uni- like, if there's, like, a union for truck drivers, like, getting paid hour, like, the same per mile. Like, even if you're using GPS, like, that just means you're going to get more shit done and you're going to get paid even more. Because you're going to be able to, like, physically be able to do more in a day. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is, like, you're not going to have to sit there and, like, monitor every single thing that's happening. The GPS will take care of a lot of the getting by and you just need to do it's taking a portion of your mental effort driving i i guess i guess yeah, more people that's what i'm saying more yeah. people are people are more afraid of full automation and that will never try backing yeah. up a trailer in the dark in the snow yeah i think yeah. when people it, it driving a truck is not the same as bagging groceries you're even that like i don't think anybody has anything to fear from automation like automation is only gonna make your job easier because like for me like as a person who writes listings like there are people in my like career field that are afraid of automation like i've seen the fully we have it's like s2000s a brand trailer yeah uh we have a automated preloaded thing and i delete it out of there the second i get it because it's such garbage it's worthless like it just i just don't even try to fix it i just go from the top and that's the thing it's like with automation like with the truck like it's gonna take care of the shit you don't want to do right but like backing the truck up like, which I guess is something you don't want to do, but like, it's something that is job security. You're going to still have your job security. Hooking and unhooking, you know, yeah. things like that. Because, I mean, the the autopilot can't get out and crank the landing gear on the truck or exactly. on the trailer. Well, I mean, the, uh, yeah, no, it can't. The the one thing I did forget to touch on as well, uh, specs for the M2 as opposed to the Cascadia. Uh, they're, because it's a single axle, they're only going about 300 rated horsepower. Uh, 315 kilowatt hour battery. Two hundred big for a you know, truck that's I assume designed the for range deliveries. Range is surprising. Yeah, two hundred. The range two hundred thirty mile range at thirty two thousand pounds gross weight. It's almost the same. It's twenty three hundred miles. Three hundred kilometers. Yeah, that might. It might. And then, it doesn't look very aero, but maybe. And then with their DC charging, eighty percent charge in sixty minutes. Well, the other thing with the aerodynamics is your the aerodynamics of the truck is entirely beholden to the aerodynamics of the trailer itself. So. If you have a shipping crate that's on like this old shitbox trailer, oh, but that one's got the it's built-in box. Yeah, the M2 is the dock oh, truck. Oh, okay, it's the dock truck. Never mind. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's being tested as a dock truck. Okay. So, but anyway, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Actually, they, they would they would benefit from a cab fairing going from the front of the, you know, from the front leading edge of the cab up to the and a chin splitter. Yes, but you're also trying to you have to take baby steps here. Yep. Right. Yep. So, I think doing EV trucks and doing some level of automation because that's going to be really just hugely helpful for truckers. I think it's going to get a lot of people that are like 
a lot of other people into trucking, which is going to be very helpful for making it a actual like sustainable business model. Well, let's, uh, how much time do we have left in this episode here? How long have we been going here? We have been going for 43 minutes. The time remaining is arbitrary. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we, we try to keep it around an hour, um, vaguely. Well, let's uh, move on to some of our topics here. Okay. Um, I want to do a challenge here called the Stuff That Totally Wasn't $40,000 When We Started This Podcast Challenge. Um, Rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I know, right? Just like all of our <laughs> it's challenges. All, it's all, actually all hyphenated. I see that. <laughs> it's one word. So, uh, below are four cars that have sold for $40,000 or near $40,000 uh, that totally weren't anywhere near that price when we started this podcast. This is so dumb. None of these are super collectible cars. Like, none of these are the cars you really want. But, like, well, which, second, one, well, which yeah. one of these is, like, the best deal for a car here? So let's let's go through. So the first one we look at is a E30 325iX. Yuck. And how much did that sell for? Uh, let me open it up on the big screen here. That sold, sold for, for $40,500, oh 71,000 miles on it. Oh. Admittedly, it's a pretty good 325iX. It is two-door. But it's still an iX. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's still like not the best E30 by any means. But, I mean, as far as 325iXs go, that's about as good as you can get. And the only thing I could ask for, and it's got, Jana, look at the interior. It does have Cardinal Red. Red interior, Red interior I want to part this car out so bad. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, you're not wrong. I think that this car, like existing, if you have a good E30 collection, having like the world's greatest 325iX, I think it'd be a good addition to. Like, if you already own an E30 M3 and you already have, yeah, because I want a worse car that has more expensive parts. Well, I mean, I just think like if for like not things that you're gonna use, but like if you have like a collection, you're trying to show off a collection of E30s, getting the world's greatest 325iX. So like, you've got a crash on it. record. Yeah, it's an iX. Like, they, oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> this is so, not a good one. <laughs> I am. I'm so offended by what I'm seeing right <laughs> it's here. It's like such a good car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> these drive so bad though. <laughs> it's like so like if. If the 325 was uh, was all-wheel drive only, like, this would be the world's greatest Subaru, like, ever. Like, oh, it's still I'm, better than a Subaru, but... Uh. I, like, I've driven these and normal E30s, and I get why you're offended, but, like, if I'd never driven a normal E30 and I'd only driven this, like, a 325iX still ranks very high in, like, the echelon of cars overall. Because it still drives quite good for a car, but for an E30 is, yeah, significantly worse. The, the thing is, though, you know, yeah, if you're trying to show off a collection, but that's taking up a spot where you could just put a better car. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, if you have a collection and you have the space for it and you already have all of the other great E30s. Okay, so put something that's not an E30 there. Don't I'm, show off an IX. <laughs> I would get it. Like, I would totally get it. Because, like, it's one of those things where, like, like, Jan and I have owned almost every single, like, CA Accord. Yep. And so, like, if Very I, if, yeah, like, if I was building out a collection of CA Accords, like, I could understand somebody wanting, like, an Accord SEI, which is the automatic fuel injected with leather seats. Like, that's the equivalent to this, where it's like, as far as like, those cars go, that's by far the worst driving one. But I get having it in there to just round out the collection. But yeah, this is how I know the car market's broken right now. So yeah. anyway, the, oh, this this whole section is going to do. Wow, that. I, I really hate this. So the next one is a AE86 GTS. That car is cool. So um, let me pull it up. Well, I'm just thinking dollar for dollar what you're buying per car. Uh, Forty grand. Did we look s- at this one? 
Yeah, well, yeah, we okay. did. So this is the world's greatest A86. Um, it, it's still not like like as far on the scale of E30s, it would be like a three and a half, maybe a four out of five. But in the scale of A86, it's just like a six out of five. Right. Just like I remember no... this. It was like it just has a little bit of rust in one spot or something. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, for right. like an E30, like it's not great condition, but for an A86, it's unbelievable because these just didn't survive. Um, and that's why this one's forty thousand oh, yeah. dollars. So I think like what you're getting for a car, like if you're really into eighty six, A eighty six is like yes, this makes sense. But like just objectively, not taking into account that it is an A eighty six. If you just look at it as a car, I respect that people don't yeah. clean their engine bays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think like taking this into account as a car, forty thousand dollars for hundred and sixteen horsepower real rear wheel drive, like it doesn't make sense on paper until you think of the fact it's A eighty six. So that's why I'm putting this one on the $40,000 car challenge, where it makes sense for this specific car. But if you were not specifically looking for an A86... We should say approximately what these cars would have sold for three years ago, too. Yeah, so what would that what would that 325iX have sold for? 7500 to eight grand maybe? Yeah, and I think this A86 is right there as well. I think... Um, well, if you actually, if you scroll down and make it open in our tab, you look at A86s, you look at the previous... How do I get from... Oh, here we go. Well, no, if you if you scroll down the essentials, there's... Oh, yeah, right there. So if you look at... I think the next lowest would be about 24000 Hey, look. Dollars. This is about when we started the podcast. Yeah, but, I mean, if you, like, just go to the next highest one... There's going to be another red one. It, it's going to be the rent... Ju- no, shit. It's somewhere around here. It would probably be the fourth highest one. Fourth highest one. That one right there. Click that. It's the same car, but with no clear coat, basically. And it was two years ago. Yeah, and that sold for like twenty four, and the, even that was like wild prices. And that one's very well documented. It was owned by the wife of the guy that runs Japanese Classic Car Show. So like, like it was like marketed super well and everything. So just like forty thousand dollars is totally bananas. For yeah, this. if we had a yeah, I mean just this look. I mean that's about right. It would have been this car costs as much as that car. Like would have. It, like when, when this podcast oh, started, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is and like, I, I terrified to know what that thing's probably worth right now. Yeah. but but like it, it's just gone totally bananas. And I used to joke like, yeah, just like throw a hundred thousand dollars to your price on your like rusty eighty six. So I don't even think about wanting to buy it. And like now it's like, yeah, no, seriously, like I literally came and think about it. like a chassis for a eighty six costs mm-hmm. as much as a reasonable three twenty five iX should cost. Yeah, but anyway, moving on to the next one down here. Um, is a non-turbo automatic uh, 1993 Toyota Supra. Somebody... Well, okay, this makes sense because the new Supra came out and everyone was excited about Supras, and they're like, finally we have a new one, and then they were disappointed, so they went and bought all these. I think that, I honestly think that's part that's of it. That's exactly what happened. The, the other thing about this... Well, what Supra can I get? Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about this, compared to, like, the iX, is you can make this, and it won't be original to the The hard bin. points are the same. Right, but yes, you can make true. this into a valuable car. Mm-hmm. Also... Again, with a good car collection, like having a Supra collection. And this is probably the most well-documented Supra I've ever seen in my life. It's really nice looking. Well, I mean, just like, uh, I, I wrote the listing, so I can actually tell you on the back end of it. This guy's got every single document for this car. Like, literally every oil change receipt he has, he has a stack of receipts that's like five inches thick with this car. That was the original this window. Was the that, one that, was, that was the picture of the actual window sticker mm-hmm. that you just scrolled past. And that yeah, was I have that from my E4, E36, though, and that thing is a pup. But, I mean, like, this is, like, an automatic Supra where, like, 
this card right, really... But it's been owned by the same dude for 24, 24 years. years. That's why it's so well maintained. But the majority of these automatic Supras were bought for somebody that wanted a Supra mm-hmm. and just wanted the cheapest entry cost. And they turboed it and manual swapped it. Not even that. They just put a body kit on it and crashed it. Like, they're all like, <laughs> like automatics. They never got Automatic to it. NA Supras <laughs> don't think that they're in good condition because uh, some guy owned it. Automatic but, NA Supras are bought by the same people who would buy... Uh, 328 and then buy put m3 buffers mm-hmm. on it Ex- that's exactly the same person that buys mm-hmm. these yeah yep so finding one of these well, which like, one can i buy yeah yep. mm-hmm. so like this in such good condition again i think it's like these are all the other than the 86 the second car in the collection the car rounds stuff out um so yeah th- this one like this one sold for 45 it i almost just, didn't put this one on the list because it went too high it doesn't seem that offensive until you look at the odometer it's got one hundred and forty thousand mm-hmm. miles yeah but... i know right it's like really high miles but and... it's a toyota so no it's not really a problem cares. but it's a collector car well, yeah, so... right, i have a question for you was this the man that you asked for like uh documents like just send me one for every 10 years and this is one of you... this is one of the dozens of people that did that to me i, yeah. I, had, I had a week where i had every single listing i had to redact 30 plus documents in every car i wrote 14 cars that week i could only i only had time in my day i was working eight hours a day and i was only able to um what's tom up to I don't think that's that's a white V8. But um, I, uh, no, I, I had a week where I could only I went eight hours a day doing two cars because every car took me four hours to write because I had to redact. I just wish people wouldn't do it. Just like tell me how complete the service history is. I don't want to see a picture of every well, single. Well, there's things. There's some sometimes with like cars like I'd get hit with like uh, <coughs> MG and the guys like no I had one. There's an Alfa Romeo, a '74 Alfa Romeo. It's like I have every document. This mileage is true. And it was a five-digit odometer on a car where it's like usually the mileage is not true, so odometer broke at some point. Sure. Um, and so I had to actually look through ninety service records to make sure that the odometer had never been re- replaced previously. And he was right, which like brought me to another issue where I now had to find forty-five years worth of service records showing consistent rise in mileage since new. And it's just like. I just I don't want them to include that stuff in the gallery. Like I didn't even tell Cars and Bids that I had fifty service record pages yeah. for the E36. I'm like it's a complete service history until 2016. Yeah, then it, nothing it's, until it's just like when when you get these cars where I I should be writing true mileage unknown. Like yeah. not doing that does actually require a very high lo- load of evidence. All right, so our fourth car on this list <laughs> of cars that were totaling not forty thousand dollars when this like podcast started. 1980s Jaguars. We talked about this before. It should still not be $40,000. They really should not be. But this one is. But it shouldn't be. Uh, and this uh, this one I think could actually sell for even more um, just soon. 13,000 miles. 13,000 miles. Documented 13,000 miles. $41,000. It is the... And it's a Vandenplot. Like, mm-hmm. it's like the greatest, like, XJ6. You know, and it's like, a 4.2, so it's got the bigger engine. That's and, really... and if you sneeze wrong while driving it, it will break. I think at 30,000 miles. Like This one's actually been very well cared for. I, that's why. Else, it's injected. It's got the Lucas fuel injection. So with these cars, like the value of the car is 100% dependent on the service history because, as you said, they are very easily not drivable or fixable. Like They're very easily broken forever. Um, so getting a car where, yeah, like it's got 13,000 miles and it's been maintained and it hasn't been broken ever, um, that makes it what it is. If you buy those and don't immediately start shopping for a decent small block Chevy, you're doing it wrong. Correct. I would all venture, all I would Jaguars say, should have small block Chevys in them. You're not wrong. You you buy this and then you also go buy the worst 
early 90s Chevy truck that you can find and just rebuild that engine. You shop for them in pairs. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so these four cars are four cars have just gone completely bananas. Also, if you look at another weird thing with this car, you can see how Americanized the headlights are on it. Oh, yeah. It's got, like, trim rings to fit sealed beams into it. Like, very, very small sealed beams. Yeah, the, uh, U- the U.S. headlights and bumpers are very odd on these cars. I think that would almost look worse with the full headlight, though. That would be... No, very... actually, they look really good. Uh, you can make these cars. I, I know it sounds really weird, but you can make these cars look amazing, like with the Ooh, right options. I doubt that, but mm. I've seen one with a blower hanging out the hood. So well, yeah. true. They they there, can look very very cool because they're like they're a very classy car, and so if you and they made them for like a billion years, like unchanged really. So if you spec them out correctly, you can make them nice. They just should have been shipped with carburetors up until they stopped making them because like the Lucas injection is just. Ugh. But the 4.2 is a good engine. Like, there's nothing wrong with the Jaguar XK six-cylinder. It's just, yeah, the things Except that are bolted onto Except for the injection. It. Oh, right. <laughs> Every, it's everything that's bolted to it. Correct. Even the V12 is a lot the same. Uh, no, the V12 does, ha- does have a catastrophic issue. It's the fact that they're, oh, they, they're prone to overheating because they don't get enough airflow. And then they drop the uh, valve seats out of the cylinder heads. Oh, it's a you... Pentastar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> it's like they, they drop at like 250 or 260 degrees. Like it's like a very low temperature in which it drops the valve seat. Oh. So like if you overheat it, you're done. Well then, like <laughs> I'll retract that and say there's nothing wrong with the Jaguar XK engine. Yeah, the the XK42 is great. Yeah, that's a good um, engine. So the question is, small block Chevy's better. You have forty thousand dollars to buy one of these four cars. What are you buying? Supra. Supra. I'm. It's the only one that's even close to worth that. <laughs> I'm going to say actually. He's going to buy the IX and throw us all off. punch you. No, I'm, I'm torn between the A86 and the Jag because I know that both those cars are appreciating so ridiculously. Get the A86, though. Yeah, yeah I think the A86. I think the A86. Uh, well, I don't want to drive it. I, I really don't want to drive it because none of these cars are drivable. Because you, you spent $40,000 on a car that's like tripled in value in the last two years. So this like, is, this is <laughs> except for I don't know what the hell happened here. What? <laughs> the $103,000 outlier in 2017. Everything else. Oh, that, the I XJ. LS it, oh, it's LS. It's a very built, well-built LS one. Yeah. So I mean, you, it looks really good. If you but... actually, if you go to the uh, filters, you can actually filter it to be like a $100,000 top, like top price. It's also a coupe. Oh, okay. There's yeah. a lot going on with yeah, this that okay. makes it. But worth okay, what it is. look at the rest though. Like the nicest ones are selling for ten, ten five. Well, that's back there. But look at the last couple of years. No, I understand. But I'm saying it's been the last so couple of years. What this car would have been worth when we started? Exactly. Yeah. Forty five hundred bucks. Oh yeah. Fifty five hundred maybe. Today you can still find them that much because you find some. You Old just people find don't them, have the internet. You find them at estate sales, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. It was like they're so, operating on a three-year-old issue of some collector magazine that exactly, has values. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a, I think, a dusty auto trader they pulled yeah, from behind the a toilet. A dusty auto trader, exactly. <laughs> so I think I think in between these four cars, I go with the A eighty six. However, that being said, if I was shopping for one of these cars, I'd be shopping for the Jag. I. Knowing, just knowing that I can make so much, there's such a possibility to make profit or just break even. I would buy something that hasn't done this yet. I I think I would do the Supra. Of these four, of those four exact cars, I would buy the Supra one because with the mileage on it, you can still drive it and Mm -hmm. you're not going to hurt the value. And you can, you can make it into something good. It's so, everything's so well documented for 
transmitting a 2JZ GE to a GTE. Not really, but like all you do is you you don't want to replace the cylinder head. That's you know what? Just I, not worth I, the I think you might you might be right. You know, I'm, I am coming around to that because even if you leave it auto, I would. This is my my only issue is um, the fact that I'd potentially be hurting the value and ending up upside down on it. I think you'd be fine as long as you save all the original parts. However, this is my thing. I do quite a bit like the Mark IV Supra, and I don't want a really terrible one. That one looks pretty nice. There's a lot of existing really terrible ones. I want a nice Mark IV Supra if I'm spending that kind of money on one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, actually, I'm going to come around to that and say I would get the Mark IV Supra, um, and I don't know what I would do with it. because you, you, I, you can have the Mark IV Supra if you fist fight both of us for it. All, all three of you. <laughs> but I, I don't and particularly want top. it because I would buy the the pup. That's I'd buy a turbo auto. That's rough. Yeah, I, I, and I would get the automatic NA that's in very good condition because for me it's or maybe more... I'll do that and put an S fifty four in it just to piss <laughs> people off. Well, <laughs> that'd be fun. I, I just when, fun. when I buy these cars, like I know all these cars would be used just to go to car shows. They would not be used as a no, daily no, no, no. by any means. Back so. it up. Brexit's drivetrain. Oh God, S fifty two turbo that would piss so many people off. That'd be hilarious. That engine's coming out, man. It's not staying in there. And then you'd have a, a wonderful NA two JZ, which is like no, a no, no, totally... no, no, no. Brexit's getting Kurt's old drivetrain. No, I mean just like to put into something else. I love that. What? That's Actually, amazing. you know, you want know, you need know, to do. Hopefully, one second. I would like to have eighty thousand dollars. I'd buy that Jag. I'd buy that Super. I put the Super engine to the Jag. The Jag engine to the Super. Send some guy down the road that doesn't know what he's buying with the Supra, and then he gets played. And then I get a perfect Jag, like a car that I've like dreamt of for my entire just, life. You, no, no, the Supra did have a four speed, so you'll just have to swap that turbo three hundred and fifty or turbo four hundred for like a four L sixty or seven hundred R four, and then let him go. Oh, <laughs> That's man. true. Yeah, you got to keep that trans. Yeah, the trans is oh very good. <laughs> That'd be the, I don't um, even think the XQ would fit under the hood in the Supra. It'd it's be hilarious, though. It, it, you just put hood spacers on. They go, what's with the hood spacers? I'm like, it looks cool. And I'm like, no. okay. Pull a Chrysler, make it a slant six. <laughs> tip yeah, it, tip you it. You could cant it over, I suppose. I mean, smash, the, in the, smash in the strut tower. <laughs> <laughs> why is your why is your like left front wheel all cambered out? Because it's a drift car. You got a camber plate for it just so you could set the wheel up. <laughs> Why is your camber plate only on so that eight, side? Eighty grand would be it. I just make the, I take the Jag and the Supra and make a very, very cool car. Still a better <laughs> idea than buying the IX. Yeah, <laughs> that's t- oh, yeah. I, I think that the IX exists solely for taking it to some German car show, or is a bunch of really bad, like modified, tastelessly modified E30 M3s, and you just win with like the least desirable car because it's in such good condition. It's like the the grudge prize or something. It's just like the judges are like just. Ugh. Ugh. I've seen things like that happen where I've, yeah. I've, I've been at car shows where I've been judging a car show where the field of cars is so terrible you take that and IX and a stanced M3 I'm going to give the win to the IX that's what I mean like, yeah, I think that's why the IX exists is like there's somebody that like somebody is like going to car shows and just like cleaning house with trophies with this like car that like should not be worth this much, but it is. Cause... Yeah, I'll be fine. This will be fine. Everything's <laughs> yeah. fine. Let's move on so you're not sick all over the table. <laughs> anyway, why don't you recap about your Road America trip? So I just got back from Road America on a very uneventful trip, uh, for the most part. Uh, Annoyingly. Do, 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 do. So I, I bought a ticket to this event quite a while ago. Originally, it's like a Tuesday to Sunday event. It's a long boy. But a lot of people for spectating just go Friday through Sunday. Originally had planned to do that. Was going to go there with a bunch of different people, camp out at the campsite, do the deal. 
have fun, go to the concourse downtown, everything, yada, yada, yada. Turned out I had to go to work for um, the entire week, essentially, to Chicago. Ended Thursday, and I was going to go straight up to Road America on Friday and just do a one-day event because everyone else I was going with bailed. The campsites are big, and therefore they're expensive, so I just really couldn't swing that for you know one person. It would have been like $200 to camp for two nights there in a tent. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. So bought a Friday-only admission, drove up there. This is like the first time I've ever done a road trip without a, a time agenda. So I was taking like the side roads and everything like that and just having a good time stopping at restaurants on the company's dime and stuff like that. But I didn't realize until I got there early in the morning um, that Friday was the day of the concourse. I figured it was going to be Saturday night and I'd miss it, which is kind of a bummer. And for those of you, probably most of you, that haven't been to the Brian Redmond Hawk Vintage at Road America, highly suggest you go... Um, First off, Road America is a beautiful uh, facility, really well taken care of, and the metal that shows up rivals the historics at Monterey. I mean, it's incredible the yeah. stuff you get there. I um, was stalking your Facebook, and it looks It's quite amazing. good, yeah. It's really good. Obviously, there was some attrition this year with global travel restrictions mm -hmm. and things like that, but there was still a lot of really impressive stuff there. Um, I, I, I believe the stream needs to see the Red, red Lobster car if it's oh, available. Yeah, I, can, I think I'm signed into Facebook on but, this thing. Um, I think it's one of those things where... A lot of people sleep on that, but actually, it's a very good event. And actually, like BAT, like everybody like tries to go out to that one if they can. And like they're all jealous of Didn't people they try in the to Midwest. Send you no, not not, not this year. Not this no, year. but um, no, they um, they try to like go out like and as much as they can. It's just like kind of out in the sticks for them. It's a terrible drive. There's no major highway that goes up there. No, so you either have to go into Milwaukee and go straight up, which is probably the most enjoyable way to do it. Or you could seesaw through Amish country like so I did. So you're saying I can take a train to Milwaukee yeah. and then drive. It's like uh, it's under, well, about an hour, probably. Maybe a little bit less. You know, despite that living in Wisconsin so almost my entire life, I still have not been to Road America. It is a beautiful facility. It's just we, out there. We occasionally, uh, occasionally a few of my race club members will go out there and run motorcycles out there. and I've been meaning to go but i just and they, they do a lot of events too that aren't you know super yeah. high-end like they do autocrosses they do track days which are cheap mm -hmm. um all right how do i get to my own profile on facebook you click your name or your the round picture of your face That's my story I right, click, click the picture of your face okay i'm gonna open this up on stream so you guys can all struggle with me um and then you go to go up and then see save all photos, photos and then you want to say up your photos uh, your photos Okay. There's the red lobster. There she is, boys. That's a whole lot. Sure, I love that. Oh, that is fabulous. Why is he so angry? Great. He's adorable. Why He's not angry. Oh, no, he isn't angry. That is probably the favorite livery I've ever seen this on a race yes. car. That's, and car I lucked this? out. It's a 1983... I don't remember. Uh, it's 19, uh, no, it was 83. I want to know how many pounds of cocaine went into. A Let's lot. just lay a lobster. A on your lot car. of it. It's all hand painted. You get up close it's to it, and there's like brush marks. It's so cool. Oh, I'm it wasn't vinyl wrap, but oh, the rock lobster. I lucked oh. out because all the cars that come into downtown through the parade and then they loop around like a four square block area. And I learned last time I went there, you go against traffic from downtown. This car was like the third one in. So all the people were still funneling in behind the cars. So I got a clear shot of it Perfect. before everyone else got there. But just, the again, the metal that you can just go right up next to. And you obviously don't touch it, but right. you pretty much could. It's just you incredible. You can sniff them real hard. You can sniff them. I think that's a genuine, uh, uh, what is it, Superbird? Yes. The guy used to have an F40. So I'm guessing since that's gone, this is oh, it's probably a March. genuine. It's a March mm -hmm. Executone. 
that's kind of cool. Oh, and then of course the wacky stacks. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> a March uh, 83G was the name, actually. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a 1983 March 83G. I didn't even see that car run, so I'm glad I had time to go to the concourse. It's quite good. It was worth it alone. Um, the that, paint job's wonderful. And then these, uh, this 1982 SC is uh, Johnson Autosport, so friends of mine the roof, that I found uh, down there. Cool. And unfortunately, they were fighting oh, fueling wow. issues the entire weekend, oh, so yeah. they never got an entire lap in. <laughs> That car looks rad. It's a Grateful Dead like homage wrap done by a graffiti artist from Sweet. Minneapolis. Oh, it's cool. super duper cool. Really cool. Found a really nice stock S2000. And then just typical stuff. So Road America, again, if you have the uh, the means to get up there and the time, I highly recommend you do it. Jaguar S-type. It's a It's a cheap mm, S-type. It's not an S-type. No, it's not. Uh, what is that? That's the original uh, um, type called it like a type 150 or something like oh, that. Oh, it's a 150. No, because they did a, uh, it was a generation right after I was doing identical and it was called the S-Type. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. is this is from like the late I 50s. Just, I saw you just going, screw it. I'm like, ooh. This S-type. is the first production car I think to have disc brakes. That's that's how I know these. But they were really fast. These were the 3.8 liter XKs. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. They did the 4.2 uh, in that, and that was the S-Type. And this is in a 190 SL first gen. Just, just. I was beauty. wondering. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, this I really liked this. I hate the six series, but somebody did like it's got <clears throat> center lock wheels. This is like a DTM ro- uh, prototype recreation. Oh, it's a recreation. It's yeah, no, it's got a single cam M30 in it. So that's, parts are cheap. God, that's sure, gorgeous. I'm sure it runs all day, but like I love the BMW original parts livery. This is a car where I was a big fan of the six series before I started looking at them very closely at work, and I'm like, it, that made me become a not great fan you of them. You do not want a six series. Well, no, because I, I I was originally a big fan, and then like they're just like such an awkward combination of 80s and 70s. Yeah, like that's what I didn't like. They're about they're it. aesthetically pleasing, but nah, that's the thing is I. I loved them for the aesthetic. So once you start like actually really looking at the aesthetics, it's an awkward combination of 70s and 80s it's styles. It's like a VW van, too. You can get maybe a year or two of parts, <laughs> and then it changes completely. Yeah. So if you get a parts car, it needs to be made like the same month. Uh, and then we're getting into work pictures there. But There's really, really cool event. There was a tiny fire truck. It was really cute. I had to take a picture of it. <laughs> I think I actually did the feature where you're taking a video and you can snap a still Perfect. in the video. I'm like, okay, I got to get this. Okay. It was but very good. That was the only K thing I saw. Usually there's a ton of them as pit vehicles. But, yeah, the Red Lobster car was a huge uh, fun thing to see. I had a lot of friends I had out there. Uh, I missed a few people like Steve from Keller, um, the Pacific Northwest. He wasn't out there. I emailed him, but he said he's not coming. So I'm hopeful that next year, when things resume for uh, you know full capacity in the world, that's kind of why I'm not like end. spending a lot of money yeah. going places this year. This like, was on my way home, and it was thirty bucks. So I'm like, yeah. sure, let's right. do it. Absolutely. But so definitely go. All I have to say to that is, wir trinken deinen Milkshake out of sauce. Click uh, on the link that's right below that German statement. This company just made the EV that Audi won't. Ooh, it's got box flares. Yes, they made a UR Quattro EV. It's called the E Legend EL1, which is a terrible name. Hopefully, they change it. Yeah, it's like the Ford Mustang Machi. Yeah, that's a terrible name. Um, I could have called it any name, but they chose that. But yeah, no, they're just they're taking Audi's Ooh. milkshake and drinking it. Like <laughs> everybody's asked. That's what that German statement was. So was I'm drinking your, I drink your milkshake. I drink it all. <laughs> <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely fabulous. But, like, it's like every single Audi person is like, I'll take an EV if it's cool. And, like, Audi's just like, well, here's an EV in a truck. Here's a shipping container. I yeah. mean, a Porsche. Here's a shipping. <laughs> here's a container ship. I mean, a Porsche. And it's like, no, here we go. 
Here's a car that's actually really red. It's like aluminum and carbon fiber and like... And it has box flares. It has box flares. and Every car should have box It's got flares. a 90-kilowatt-hour battery pack, a tri-motor setup. Wow. Um, that's that's substantial two, for something two that motors, size. Two motors behind the rear wheels, one on the front axle. So it's a rear-wheel drive biased. Yes. It's very good. Like, they just made a... Ve- they made a UR Quattro and made but it this, modern. This won't understeer, though. What? Did they put all the batteries right in the front, in front of the front axle? No. No. Oh. But uh, I think they made it so they made a better version of it. It's does also it, obviously not for off-roading. Does it have UFO rotors? Oh, oh that cool. would have been quite cool. Yeah, I don't cool. think they did because those wheels are huge. I will concede. Yeah. The UFO rotors are quite cool. They are very cool. Okay. Also, I'm sure those are really terrible for longevity. But, <laughs> but I just want, No, they are horrible. They are really, really, really bad, and they love to heat soak. They're the worst thing in the world. It's the worst combination of a drum and a Yeah, rotor. but I would still do it. Oh, yeah, but... Yeah, they heat soak real bad. And they're like $500 out. to replace it like yeah. right now. M5 per has, rotor. has that still. What? Yeah, well, drilled hats or whatever. Oh, no, it's different than a drilled hat. Oh. Do you a know UFO that? rotor is a caliper that goes where the rotor goes, and the rotor goes where the caliper goes. Oh, okay. I've so never that, heard it described that way. That is terrible. Yes. Yeah, because the, ro- the caliper is mounted to the hub, yeah. and the rotor goes around it. Yeah, it's yep. like a hubless motorcycle. It's basically putting a uh, disc brake from a bicycle on a car. Mm. Yes, actually. Yeah. A, mm-hmm. No, no. I mean, there's a little different setup, but I'm saying like heat it's soak like the wheel brake. It's, 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 like, it's, like, it's like the wheel brake from a bicycle. Yeah, rim brake. A rim brake, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really dumb. Yeah. But anyway, so let's uh, move on to your topic, and then we'll oh, finish up with oh, one more. Oh, let me close out of this link here so I can figure out what I was talking about. You were talking oh, about Oh, I, I am fairly passionate about this. So every time one of these idiots buys a new Model 3 or a Y, the first thing they do is take it and they get it clear broad. Like, stem to stern. They spend 2500 bucks on, on this. On the entire car? How these, fast they go in reverse? I don't know. And it doesn't matter. Even if you just do the front. So you do the hood, the front bumper, the fenders, and like maybe the little strips before, yeah. you know, in front of the rear wheels. That's like $1,500 minimum for like okay product. Yeah. The problem with that is that car is not rare. Yeah. The reason why I say that, you're going to be like, well, so? I'm like, you are better off paying every five years to completely respray your car professionally. Yeah, it's definitely. cheaper than putting on clear bra and having it removed. Yeah, clear bras are really dumb. They always look terrible. Unless... Actually, I, don't give people these ideas because you can find a lot of really, really nice cars with a terrible cracked clear bra that's dropping the value of it. And you can yeah, just like. It costs a fortune to get those removed properly. And, yeah, but I mean, like. And that's not accounting for the paint fade around right. it. So yep. here's an example. Yeah. I used to work with this guy named Hani, who was a car salesman with me. And he had a 90s Celica convertible. Okay. Not a super desirable car. Had a clear bra on it from the 90s. Jeez. Oh, my. It was bad. It looked as bad as you thought it did. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen them. <laughs> he got that car for under $1,000. And he... You need a rubber finger wheel and, like, more time. He just than... had, the, he had the guys in the back and, the like, the dealership detailers remove the clear bra. And then he had the car and he drove it around for years. And then he sold it for... Like five grand, mm-hmm. and the reason he got it for so cheap is they're like it needs paint, and he like looks and he goes, "It's a clear bra removed." Mm-hmm. The paint was fine; it just needed a clear bra, clear bra removed. But it's one of those things where 
your third or fourth owner doesn't know anything about clear bras and then starts cracking and think it's a paint itself. And that it's a great way to save some money. Not <laughs> rare enough where it matters. And, like, there are extenuating circumstances. Yeah. Like, if you've got a car, they made 5,000 of them, paint originality matters. Yes. So you're way better off. But, you money but we're, we're talking about cars that. where they made 15,000 right. of them. Like, well, north of. If, like, yeah, high yeah, production yeah, cars. Yes, yep. Yeah. If it's a high production car, like a, a convertible Celica, you can get a great deal because some idiot put a clear bra on their car. Well, you shouldn't do that, right. but no, I'm saying, saying you should because saying, I want to buy your car for cheap. You're <laughs> saying people shouldn't do this, they but if you're it. looking for a car, yes. find one find that, one that they had, did do it. Find one that, that they did do it. Take a very, very good look at the condition of the paint. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, I would say look at the condition of the paint on like the hood versus like the bottom of the fender where there's no sun that ever hits it. Right. Yeah, because the fade is something you have to yeah, potentially worry about. Of. Basically, if you're smart enough to be listening to this podcast, don't do it. But let Karen and Ken yeah, clear exactly. bra, whatever. Basically, don't yeah. Do it, if you listen to the show, your car is probably uncommon enough where maybe you should consider clear brawing. But, like, do not ever try to sell somebody a clear bra unless mm -hmm. you're the one making money off them. Then can just go for it. But just just don't do it. Because especially in the case of the Model Y and the 3, don't, like, don't if you ever, have an issue with your, your bumper... Don't go out of your way to, like, they think keep you need it. pre-painted yeah. ones at the dealer anyway. So, like, you're paying so much less. You could probably get three or four brand-new painted bumpers for the price of just putting the clear bra on. Yeah. And it's, again, at the end of 10 years, most cars aren't in that bad of shape paint-wise. No. And it really, like, in modern paint, it doesn't affect cars nearly as much. No. If it's a 90s Mercedes... That, Yes, yep. that might be worth it. Mm -hmm. But, like, if it's a car from today, then mm, no. Water-based, yeah, yeah, good stuff. But, when, I mean, like, a 90s Mercedes when they were doing it really water-based, like... Mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah, like, it, you, your paint's going to last you 5, 10 years at most. So having that clear bra on. Also, any red Mercedes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They yeah. never did figure out red. They <laughs> still haven't. Nope. Nope. Never did. They're probably just using mm -hmm. the same red. Yep. Because it's Signal Mercedes. red. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just keep repainting it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this isn't really recent news, but I wrote a uh, Ford Golden Jubilee tractor a while back at uh, work, and I actually really liked writing it. I'm kind of like, near, 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 I, I need near, to near, learn near. more about tractors so I can write more, because I really like writing them, because <laughs> there's like no documentation on them ever. Okay, like, it Jeremy just makes Clarkson. my life great. However, I found out there is literally a land speed record Ooh. for quite literally everything. That's a flathead. Yes, and it is a... Um, Four, 1952 Ford 8 in tractor. That's, so set, that's, an, that's an 8BA or an EAB, then. That's the, that's the good one. Yeah, and they... She's uh, the spicy gal. They set a land speed record with it. That just uh, seems ill-advised. If you click out of the photo and actually go to the link, it'll tell you what the land speed record was. I wasn't smart enough. 96.3185 miles per hour. What? Is it? Yep. Oh, there it is, yes. 96.3... One eight five miles per hour. I do like that that is in ten thousandths of a, a mile per hour. Yeah. That's um, Ohio mile. Mm. Standing mile. Oh, okay. So. I also like that the guy's wearing coveralls. <laughs> so. Bless you. you. Calm down. Corey's dying over in the corner. Um, it's very he hasn't cool. Died this week I'm already, a big fan of right. this. <laughs> so, I just want to let you know. I'm a fan of this. I'm a fan of the whole everything. So, really like me a flathead. Fun fact about the old N-Series tractor, I don't, mm -hmm. don't know if you knew this. There was a comp an aftermarket company, uh, Funk Brothers. Funk Brothers? Funk Brothers. I really like this already. They sold, and it was available through the Ford dealer, or through the Ford tractor dealer. You could get a flathead V8 in your tractor just to go farming. I love there that. There were several this is flathead so Ford tractors. I just, imagine that's what this is. 
Yes. It's I, like getting case or Hasbro mounts for a actually, Honda. No, that I've makes got sense. the Funk Brothers mounts for my. It, no, that Ford. that actually makes sense because the Arden cylinder heads were made for uh, commercial and agricultural implementation of the flathead yep. to get more power out of it. Yep. I I grew up my grand my grandfather's brother had a 1948 first year production 8N that I grew up driving and you know when especially when you're introduced to it at a young age like that it it, it leaves an imprint so I did a lot of research on them. There were a lot of there were flathead conversions you could get uh, under and over drives. You could get their factory a four speed transmission. Mm-hmm. With the under and over, you could get up to a twelve speed in those. Was it just the splitter or like how did they do that? Uh, it was a Sherman auxiliary transmission, oh. basically. That sounds okay. And Very cool, now, actually. The problem with that is you have to split the unit because the engine and transmission are the frame. It's a stressed member. Oh, okay. Which is why you needed kits to put the the flathead in there because it gave you a mount for the front axle to bolt it to the block. That's ah. hilarious. That's I mean, the blocks amazing. were very heavy cast iron, so I'm not surprised so, at all to hear that. But Yes, I think they did add some reinforcement rails going from the inline four to the V8, but they, yeah, they, they had so many options. For the N series tractor, I, I were, also I, I love that they used the N series and they just like kept it literally as tractory as possible. Well, and <laughs> that steering is just the most terrifying thing. Yeah, <laughs> ninety six so miles an hour with tractor steering. Yeah, they had the nine N, the two N, and the eight N, and all three numbers designated the year it began production. Nine N started in nineteen thirty nine. 2N started in 1942, and the 8N started in 1948. Oh, that's actually... I did not know that. It's really cool to no. know. Yes. And they also have the NAA, which is the one I wrote, which is like a, the gigantic four-cylinder. Yep, yeah, that, after the 8N, because the 8N... 122 cubic inch four-cylinder. What is that? That's 2.4 liters? Uh, 2.2. 2.6, I think. Either way, mid-twos. Yeah, yes. it, it, was, it was a very large... No. It, it, it did not have much of a bore it was all stroke because ah. the engine was like as Give tall as Jana. all the piston velocity yes exactly yeah. the ford was trying to design a tractor to eat john deere's lunch and it didn't quite happen no but there's a lot of ford tractors are still yes around. there are so they did design a they, tractor they are very durable don't need a laptop for this one not really no uh, you need the you need the correct cable to hook up your typewriter oh yeah <laughs> But I just thought that this was hilarious, that there is literally a land speed record for quite literally everything. Of course there is. And I they, want a record. What can I get one in? It's like, what what Supra can I buy? What mm. land speed record can I get? Yeah, no, it, it's... Set one on a bar stool. There, there's a... Probably it's gonna fast. There's going to be an unattainable land speed record for a bar stool, guaranteed. It, I bet it, it's terrifying the, fast. There's going to be... Uh, they're gonna, it's going to be a loophole where the stool seat itself is just the air cleaner on, <laughs> on a 350. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be something like that. But um, I've seen the blender from Top Gear, so that's worrying. <laughs> well, I was um, I was talking with like I discovered that there was like a lot of weird land speed records. I never knew that there was one for tractors. And now I have my hopes are dashed to ever set one. But like I was looking at one for like a production. lot of drunk people had tractors. Like specifically Ford Festivas, like the land speed record for those is like 150 miles an hour. It's like something ridiculous like that. For a rotary pickup truck, it's 200. Like it, it's just bananas. Some of these land speed records, and the tractor is 93. K Turbo Swap a Fiesta, call it good. 200. Why? Well, everything was Fiesta with the three cylinder. Oh. Or, 
the like the factory engine. Like I'm like, oh, yeah. so it's all it's like aero mods. No, it's aero mods. Like the engine itself and, is modified to the T's. A guy, some guy sent like three thousand dollars on a Fiesta or a Festiva engine. <laughs> and, and as much boost as you can shove into it before you turn the rods into pretzels. Yeah, exactly. Boost and then nitrous. <laughs> so, and then pretzels. <laughs> I think it's a nice positive thing to end on. So It's just a good old boy. A good old boy with a good old tractor. All right, well, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Tucker. We had a large gamut of stuff. Thank you for having there. me. <laughs> Bye.